Hello, and welcome to Praise Dionysus. Ah, praise <laughs> him. Praise him. Didn't want to doing that voice. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Donor by Julia Grace, The Very Model of a Modern Major Musical by Andrew McClelland and Martine Wengro, and A Moment to Love by Vivian Nguyen. Ah, excited. Oh, we're going. Okay. Yeah, we're going. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello, James. Fringe is upon us. Fringe is upon us. Yeah. yeah. And this is it's now yeah, occurring to me now for sure that we have not really talked about <laughs> the tone of this fringe marathon. <laughs> no, I've gone spooky. I've gone immediately spooky. Ooh, a spooky fringe. Which seems unbearable. Jake, what do you want to do? <laughs> no, I don't know. No, I've been thinking it was like my brain in like quiet moments during my days. I'm just like, is this fringe a palooza? Is this Ooh. like fringerama? Fringella. Is it fringella? Is it a, is it a fringe binge? I like or fringe binge. I feel like fringe binge has surely been done. I feel Absol- like someone- oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've never fringe binged before. Oh. We've never fringe bunged. Oh, sure. What, 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 is, what is it that um, Dionysus, the cult, used to have? They had like a back or um, like where they'd all get the together. Back-a-hi? The back eye? The back eye? The back eye. Is that what it's called? Back eye. The back eye. Is that like when they all get together and drink wine? Is that the women that like uh, like uh, what like uh, decided to kill all the men of the town? Um, yes, but they always conflate the back eye with Lysistrasa, which is more penisy. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, then <laughs> let me at it. <laughs> Lysistrata. Lysistrata. But that's <laughs> more of a praise what? Dionysus after dark conversation. <laughs> quack quack. That's fun. Quack quack. Yeah, no. Um, I guess welcome to the fringe episode. We'll name it later. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. We likely won't. If was a title on this, that's what it is. Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> um, you've had the full backstage experience with that. Yeah. yeah. Really raw and unedited. But um, yeah, so we're doing, we're just seeing what every show in the world. We're is seeing it, every show in the world. Yeah. So we're seeing, yeah, we're seeing as much fringe as we possibly can. Mm. We're like one week into that our experience. Fringe-a-palooza. Our fringe palooza Our fringe palooza Our fringe Our fringe binge. Fringe binge. We are a week deep-ish. Um, and so what's going to, as I sort of like warned you about last week, if you were there, was that it's going to be kind of like a lot of content coming at you. A lot, quick and fast. <laughs> and sorry to call it content. That's very gross. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. So. Don't know why you're saying it like you're apologizing. I'm not. No, sorry. That's just how my voice often just ends up sounding. It's <laughs> um, a self-loathing. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Um, we're all excited to be here. We're all excited to talk about fringe shows, but yeah. Jake. Yes, Jake. Tell me. What? How has your week been? Oh, how's my week been? Yeah. My bean is doing its best. <laughs> Don't call me a weak bean. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> no, no, that was the question. That's the question. Um, It's been good. It's been largely like seeing plays, which obviously is like fantasy life. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's been good. Um, It's been bonkers. It's just, yeah, it's been really wonderful. Just like seeing pals, seeing shows, meeting people. It's been great. <laughs> yeah, nice. I ran into you once or twice around the traps. Yes, I we tried don't... to blank you, but you would you got through it. <laughs> yeah, no, I noticed that. I was actually quite hurtful. Mm, well, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but have you done anything else, or have you just been seeing theatre? Um, well, I went to your birthday dinner. Oh, my birthday dinner. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, everyone, but... I aged. <laughs> yes, in the official sense. Yes, <laughs> beyond the way that every day you wake up more haggard. This no, time no. it was, you know, quantifiable. One year, and then everything droops. <laughs> Yeah, no, but, um, but yeah, beyond that, no, it's largely just been like now and then trying to get to work when it's possible. But mm-hmm. beyond that, very much just prioritizing, yeah, getting to the theater. Fringe. 
Frange. Frange. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, which has been full of like really wonderful surprises. It's been a really good time. Nice. Um, yeah. No. Um, yeah. So, well, like a Jesus. star rating. Sorry, I'm working on my scatting. Uh, yeah. But in terms of a star rating. Go on. What am I going to say? Hmm. I'm going to give it. I don't know. I'm going to give it like 36 stars. Because okay. I think at this point, I think that's how many shows I've seen. Jesus. I think. 36. I think. I haven't oh counted God. them. Okay. I should have. But yeah, 36 or is it? I don't know. Anyway, that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, that's good. That's reasonable. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, you, you've got more stuff to say. What's? Uh, tell me about your week. Me? Tell me about um, your week bean. My week bean died, <laughs> oh, actually. Oh, God. Yeah. The Scarlet Fever took him. <laughs> Scar- Scarlet Bean Fever. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, that's a good bit. Um, <laughs> I- <laughs> Bitches love bean comedy. <laughs> <laughs> is that bean comedy? Oh. Oh, God. Put that on stage at Fringe. Is that at the Hub? Is bean is comedy at the Hub? <laughs> Ooh, is upstairs um really quickly before we go on the fringe hub have you noticed when you're upstairs at the fringe hub and you look anywhere there is just lights from the downstairs area blinding you at all times like these huge spotlights shining up from the downstairs area when you're upstairs at that like bit that overlooks the downstairs you know like the holes in the floor i didn't know there was a thing above like the hub where the bathtub is and the box office is above that like the fringe, like the um, trade hall, trade, trade. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So where the box office is, and where there's that strange bathtub Doll, set up. It's a sprawling mess. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't but tell you exactly. I just didn't realize you could be above that. Yeah, you go upstairs. Like there's the upstairs level where a bunch of the rooms are. And then when you're up there, you're being shot in the face by spotlights. By lights, if you know what I mean. Right in. <laughs> <laughs> let us know. You keep telling people to do that, and I need to let you know our letterbox is full. <laughs> <laughs> then empty it. <laughs> oh, I'm not reading any of that. <laughs> Have you heard what you're requesting from these people? I print them out and burn them. <laughs> Let us know if the lights are hitting you in the face. <laughs> yeah, be specific and detailed in your responses. <laughs> okay, alright, my week. I turned one more year than I was. I'm now four syllables. Ooh. Oh. 122. That'll, that's five no, syllables. That's five syllables. God, counting's hard. No, it's not. You're just bad. <laughs> Thank you. So I had a birthday party, which yes. was nice. Like a uh-huh. little dinner party. Jake yeah. came. It was very awkward. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no one invited him. Yeah, when you, when you add someone to a group that you didn't think you'd added them to. And yeah, then, then yeah. they can see all the past history and the conversation. Yeah, oh, it's like, oh, God. God. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was nice. Um Flog and I made a dinner, which was nice. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and people ate it and enjoyed it, I think. Uh-huh. Did you have a good time? At your birthday dinner. At my birthday dinner. Yes. Yes. Grapes. Yes. Gorgeous. <laughs> um, in terms of just straight to birthday gifts, I just want to brag for a second. My partner bought me, and this is my might be the nerdiest thing I'm going to say today. Not to cut you off. Flynn. Uh, being... My boyfriend. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, a boyfriend! Yes. On your birthday. You met him. Ah! <laughs> you know him. You what know a him. sacred blessing. You've met him before. <laughs> um, he bought me, for my birthday, uh, an atlas of Middle Earth from at- Lord of the Rings. Oh, my God. <laughs> because I used to read when I was a kid, and I'd mentioned to him at some point in so the distant past. you used past. to read when you were a yes, kid. Yes, I used to read <laughs> when I was a kid. Reading. I forgot how. It's lost <laughs> knowledge to me. I look at pictures. Yeah. Like an atlas. Mm-hmm. Oh, this okay. Is the transition. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got the, he bought me the atlas, and now I'm just filled with all these beautiful, nostalgic emotions about Middle Earth. And reading this little atlas. Because you grew up in Middle Earth, as everyone And I grew knows. up in Middle Earth, yes. <laughs> I'm an elf. I'm a fancy elf. Which, as you taught me, is the sad, skinny, 
Oh, have I forgotten all the things you taught me I about elves? <laughs> they were like meant to, to protect the humans. Uh, no, no. Good, good memory. That's that's the Maya. They were they were they were made by the the Valar. To Maya, go. Maya from like, Lady Marmalade. That's that's Maya. the one you mean. Maya. She was also in Chicago during Who the Selma Tango. She was Lipschitz. Oh, 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 well, all you need to say is she was Lipschitz. She was Lipschitz. <laughs> um, I think I'm done with this conversation. Now. <laughs> no, oh, great. Is there a lot yeah. of different places in the Middle Earth There's Atlas? There's a lot of mid- lot of places in the Middle Earth Atlas. It's by I cannot remember her name, but she's an incredible. Um, map maker mm-hmm. she passed away very recently mm-hmm. uh, and she made this atlas for middle earth it's like this very comprehensive look at like all these parts that tolkien talks about and never really did maps of so it's great great so i had a great nerdy because tolkien is super dead super right? dead yes okay. he is his son christopher isn't i don't think mm-hmm. and he currently has the rights to all of the work okay i think like he's the one that sort of like is the representative of tolkien on earth uh-huh. okay um yeah so that was my week so i would give my week 10 out of 5 stars, because that's how many people came to my dinner party. Was there 10 of us there? There were 10 of us there. Oh. There were four family members, two <laughs> partners. Uh-huh. Is this fun? I spent a lot of it trying to work up the courage to have a proper conversation with your sister's boyfriend. Oh, Matt, yeah, he's lovely. You yeah. should have. I yeah. should have. I know, and now I'm doing the cowardly thing of being like, I wanted to. <laughs> well, Matt, if you're listening, reach out to Jack. I was building up the courage, <laughs> and then it was over. It all happened it so all fast. It happened so fast. It did. It did happen very fast. But no, it was nice. 10 of us. Ten of us around that table. My God. Yeah. A lot of Think food. of the spells we could have cast. No. No? You're just refusing to have <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, no yes ands here. <laughs> Great. Good. Don't exhaust yourself with imaginary journeys. No, we've got a lot of theatre to talk about, so I'm saving my brain. I have not seen 36 shows yet. I don't yeah, know I why say, I said such a large Because you told number. me it was 19. But, no, was it 19? Yeah, you well, said 19 Well, I'm still giving it 36 stars. Yeah, I, was, I didn't I'm want rounding to up. you on there. But... Rounding up to 36 from 19. I don't think he knows how numbers work. No. No, I don't. Oh, you can hear me. Oh, God. And I won't be ashamed. Let's start talking about some fringe theatre. Hit it. Nah. Okay, James. Yes. Yes. Here we goddamn go. Okay, so the first show. Fringe. Fringe. Oh, maybe spooky fringe. <laughs> I decided on spooky fringe. Carry on. Um, so the first fringe show that I saw was called Donut. And it was written number. Why you? I was about to say donor. I hardly know her, but carry on. Oh, okay. I was. I yeah. So it was written and performed by Julia Grace, and and it was at the Motley Bauhaus. Oh, cute. Yeah. So I went there with my pal Reese. Um. Oh, it was directed by Emily O'Brien Brown. Great. Um. Yeah. Bite. Yeah. So yeah, went there with my pal Reese. It was great. Mm-hmm. Turned up. Um. And it was the first time that I'd been up into like the upstairs Motley Bear House. I was space. about to ask because I've I've been to the Motley Bear House for the first time recently. And I was, mm. Do they have multiple spaces? They have. What I've come to understand is there are three spaces. Oh. There's like the downstairs one, which is mm-hmm. where I saw Stopover, etc. Yep. And then if you go up the staircase, there is like another performance space, which is kind of like which is where Dona was, which has kind of like when you're up there, it's like long and narrow, and there's a bar on the left. There's a performance like stagey thing at the front. And then it's like flat seating facing it. And it's kind of like a big chunk of people at the front. Then it gets cut in half by the bar on the left. And then there's more seating down the side on the right. And it's oh. really like narrow and pointing towards the performance. Bit. And what's the third performance space? The third one, apparently, which I haven't gone into, but I was it, my friend Will was describing it to me the other day. Apparently, when you go up the staircase, if you don't turn... 
If you don't keep walking forward through the curtain to the performance space, you can turn left oh. and it turns into a gallery. Fringe! <laughs> yes, oh, great. That's <laughs> Spooky fringe indeed. <laughs> okay, great, great. So you want yeah. the upstairs space. Upstairs space at Motley mm. Bathhouse. Um, yeah, so we sit cool. down and the show starts. Cool, cool. <laughs> great. great. Um, yeah, so it's a one-woman show um, and Julia Grace is in it. And kind of like from the get-go, she's like clearly just super fantastic. Oh. Like one of the things that sort of like carried through the entire performance and... Uh, was just I don't know. It was just, she's got her expressiveness and her charisma, and uh, even just like her beautiful face. Like she's just yeah. She just mm. like filled the stage up with this like warm, inviting. Like you, I don't know. Just kind of like had this energy that kind of like calmed you into just trusting her to tell you a story. And oh. it was like yeah, just this oh, wonderful soothing. lady to watch on stage. Really, really great. Nice. Really wonderful voice. And yeah, it was like, a, 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 yeah, part of what I always appreciate and especially appreciated this time was just like someone who's just using their body to tell you a story and, um, yeah. It's and just, knows how to do it. Knows how to do yeah. it and just, yeah, yeah, it was just a really wonderful story to witness being told. Um, okay, solid stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, she seems super fantastic. Right. Um, yep. But yeah, so then the show sort of like then begins to, it's like about a woman who loses her job and then kind of has no purpose like, in, the, in her mind, sort of has no purpose. Mm. And then a friend of hers um, is diagnosed with a real bad liver condition Ugh. and is set to kind of, like, not survive um, unless she gets, a like, a new liver. Oh, Donut. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's called Donut. Yeah. Now you're yeah, seeing no, where see, maybe up. the title picking comes in. It's actually, it yes, no, it's not the Donna Summer story, as I'm sure you were ready for it to be. Donna Summer. Donna Summer. Refresh my memory. She's a disco queen. Oh, Donna Summer. I was, I'm, I'm ready for you to pull out, like, smash references. and that's Oh, it. I'm glad you're ready for that. I'm, I'm sure they're coming. Ready, yeah. I'll strap in. <laughs> How will I make Donna about Angelica fringe. Houston? Fringe. <laughs> Spooky, smashy fringe. <laughs> okay, so, liver condition. Liver condition. Continue. Yes, so she gets this news, and her friend also has a very nice British accent. Oh, so it's a two-hander? No. She does the voice of her She's friend? just that good. Oh, great. Heaven. Okay, <laughs> just does cool. the voice. Uh, yes. No. So then what she sort of like happens upon is the idea that I didn't realize this, but I I had gone to this show to get medical knowledge and I acquired some. And now you're a doctor. Yeah. So she, um, if you, apparently you can give someone just a bit of your liver. Oh, and that you... and then it like regenerates itself in both you and oh, them. Oh, oh, yeah! It's like those bugs that you like cut in half. Medicine is they... a nightmare, and we should have stopped. Oh my god, oh. <laughs> gross! Yeah, you should have been there in the earlier conversations about medicine. No, this is yuck. Yuck. <laughs> Let's just keep using witchcraft. <laughs> no, let go. That's great. I mean, that's amazing. The human body is a miracle and a nightmare. And a yeah. that's so cool. Indeed. Okay. So then she sort of decides that she's gonna like you know do it. <laughs> Donut it, and then you know, and then stuff happens. Um, but yeah, well, do you want to ruin That's it in case? Not... No, like, oh, okay, right. In right. case you want to see it, but yeah, no, some wonderful stuff. Like very interesting, cool, upsetting, lovely things happen. Like mm. there are some wonderful turns of phrase in there. Um, and but yeah, it's sort of yeah, and it's so that occurs. There's, there was this wonderful sequence sort of in the middle where she's flying to go and see her friend, her mm. sick friend, um, because they live apart from each other. Because she's living in, I think, London is my recollection of where she was living. Um, and her friend is in in. Melbourne, not London. Lo- not London. Sorry, it was like a week ago. So the geography—that's the first thing to go from my mind. Yeah, locations, because this was the show where I realized if you tell me that you were like in Europe, like if you're like, oh, I was in London, then I went to Berlin. It's like I realized that all these places look the same in my brain. Okay. <laughs> so I cannot differentiate between Europe is just a big city. To you. It's just a smear. Yeah, I just can't. 
And even because I met Tim from Stuttgart the other day and he was just like, oh yeah, I went to Paris. This is not a German accent. That's not a good I one. Went, and I didn't even, I didn't know Stuttgart was in Germany. But it's like, yeah, even he was saying, it's like, oh, I would go to like Paris on the weekends. It's oh, like, it does sound it's nice. It's like, okay, great. So yeah, in my mind, it's like, you can just jog from like Paris to Salzburg. It's also then, small. Like it's also close. Yes. Yeah, see, moments ago you were, you were snapping me on the face with. <laughs> no, that's not me saying I get how you can be confused. That's me saying it's so nice that everything is so close. Sure. Well, I guess part of this is me self-flagellating because I should know the difference between more European places. Probably. Yeah, I've only been to Edinburgh and Italy. I can't think of anything else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. You're a moron. And just to remind you that I did think Edinburgh was in Ireland until a week before I went That's there. That's reasonable. I That's respect re- that. I respect that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's ever on my side with oh, that. Oh, God. I called I called Ireland part of the UK recently or something like that. Well, half of it is, isn't it? I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is, but, like, someone got upset at me, and I was like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> oh, that's good. Good. When people try to teach you about their culture, do not I care. I don't care. <laughs> I'm taller than you. Good. No, respectable stance. Yeah, good. Yeah, thank you. Good, on. and especially if they were short, you should have shoved them a bit, too. They were a little bit shorter than me. Oh, <laughs> So I'm still well, taller that's than all you them. Need. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, went to see her friend. But there was, it was, like, there was this wonderful part where um, she was on the plane, and the way that, that that she performed it was she had one of those, like, neck pillow things on, which I didn't really, like, I only found out maybe a year ago that we're all wearing those, like, airplane neck pillows backwards. This was not in the show. This was just the Because you meant was, to wear them around the front, right? You're meant to have, like, the gappy, because they're, like, obviously, like, they're, just in case you don't know what we're talking about, they're, they're shaped like a C. Like or a, a C, U. Or a U, and they, like, clump around your neck. Or a lowercase N. U, yes. <laughs> or half of a capital D. Yes, I suppose so. Thank or like so most of an O. Most of an O, or uh-huh. like a bent V. Yep. <laughs> or half a lowercase W. Yes, or there's two of them. Yep, that's the dream. <laughs> so if you, if, that, if you if that's helped, right here. So the part where the half W opens to uh, the air uh, uh-huh. is a lot of people wear it to the front, but apparently it's meant to go to the back. That's just that on that. <laughs> Again, this did not come up in the show, but it's a thing that I was thinking about Maybe somewhat. Maybe she was wearing it wrong. She, well, she was wearing it not the way that I just described it, but, you know, dramaturgy. She made a decision. Okay. But, yeah, no, but there was this wonderful sequence where it sort of like, it felt like it kind of, and I spoke to Reese afterwards and he felt the same way. Like, it almost sat away from the rest of the show in the way that it went from being like, her telling the story and adding detail and walking us through the trajectory of her decision making and the the position that she was in and then when we ended up on this plane with her she was just mm. in her seat with this neck pillow incorrectly around her neck <laughs> and <laughs> um okay. it was this like yeah this fascinating almost like around the midpoint portion of the show where she was just in this plane having these decisions she had to make talking about the people that were seated around her and something about her physicality which again was marvelous um was it, it was just like especially funny um like the whole show was funny but the jokes were especially great and delivered in an especially like punchy wonderful way that was getting even more laughter than the rest of the show was from the audience and i think part of it was to do with the what the mindset of a plane passenger added to the dynamic of what she was saying and to her physicality. And I guess the neck pillow as well was funny. But, um, yeah, something about her being stuck there and being stuck in her thoughts made me think I would really love to watch this woman be in just, like, a show where for some reason she was, I don't know, isolated in some sort of thing. Where it's like, I would have happily watched, Mm. like, an hour of her in a seat 
talking about the thoughts she is trapped with in her mind while she's oh, wow. imprisoned in this plane seat. It was really, really funny. Yeah, great. It was great. And it made me think of like uh, the, the upcoming production of Samuel Beckett's Happy Days with uh, Judith Lucy. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Are you going to go? I got tickets, yeah. You... <laughs> Oh, so that was part of your... Part of the subscription. Yeah, yeah. What? Flog and I are, are you excited? <laughs> are you excited because of Judith? I'm just of... excited because of Judith Lucy. I'm not too familiar with Happy Days. Oh, great. But I'm excited to see... Is that the end of your sentence? Yeah, I said yeah. it, but oh, I sure. forgot to say it properly. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you just want to spend that much time with Judith Lucy. I love Judith... Hi, I'm Judith Lucy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What is it about men? I love Judith Lucy. Mm. I love Judith Lucy, and I've always wanted to see her in a live show, and I think seeing Have her in a Have you ever seen her live play, before? I've never seen her live. No. No. I've seen her on the street. Yeah. I've seen her on a train. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Look at us. <laughs> um... <laughs> Friend, <laughs> um, but I've I've never seen her live, and I've always wanted to see her in a play. I think I've always wanted to see her in something serious too. Oh, great! Yeah, sure. so I'm excited for something a bit more macabre. She's been through so much as a person, really. Just in terms of like, yeah, yeah. She's like this whole. Um, she did a podcast about and a book about this experience she had of like falling in love with a person that really sort of like really fucked her over, like oh. financially and interpersonally. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was devastating and she went on this whole journey of finding happiness again. Mm, um, wow. God, she's such an interesting, impressive woman. Um, Judith Lucy. But yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, just one final thing that I think I want to talk about that really um, resonated with me, especially from Dona, was um, this part she talked about. She described um, this improv class that she was in once and like these drama games that she was playing in these, uh, yeah, these theatre workshops that she'd done. Mm. And she described this experience of <laughs> trying to participate in these improv games and then feeling the gaze of everyone in the group look towards her as if she'd done something wrong um, in the game. Oh. And then she made the correlation between that and the feeling of living your life and feeling people looking at you as if you're doing it wrong, but they're going to put up with you. Oh. I know. And I was like... Oh, God. That I so recognize that yeah, feeling. Absolutely. It's one of my deepest fears in terms mm. of living my life. Like, I hate the thought that people are just like, oh. Okay, you do your thing, you fuck up. Yeah. yeah. And just the idea of, like, the feeling of being tolerated, the feeling mm. of everyone secretly thinking, God, you're a fucking idiot. But, like, it, it's even the thing, too, of, like, um, like I, I, the feeling of, like, emotional, feeling, like, emotionally managed. Yeah. Feeling like people think that your emotions are too big or that you won't be able to cope mm. with something. And people being like, ugh, don't tell him this, you know how he gets. Yeah. Or, like, be ready for him to behave this way because you know how he fucking sucks. This feeling that, like, I don't know, somehow it's almost akin to, like, having food in your teeth but no one tells you. Mm. Somehow it feels like Drew Barrymore in Fifty First Dates <laughs> where she's living every... You've seen that, that movie, no. haven't you? It's where Drew Barrymore, every time she goes to sleep, she wakes up and she's forgotten Oh, the I know before. the premise, yes. There have been enough spoofs of it that I know the premise of that Sure, yep. yeah. <clears throat> that feeling... And I'm so, I, I feel like a lot of us had the experience of when we watched that movie, maybe, like, three Just quarters... Just tell her! Oh, my God. But, like, three quarters of the way through... No, but when they tell her, she, like, explodes. But, like, three quarters <laughs> of the way through the movie, I, I feel like a lot of people had the feeling of, like, oh, my God, what if I'm Fifty First Dates? <laughs> no! You'd, you'd never know if you had amnesia every time you went to sleep. Maybe we were all the Truman Show. Maybe we were all the Truman Show. All along. Maybe Until... the real Truman Show was in us all along. Oh my god, James. <laughs> You've just accidentally pitched an idea of like, what if there are a bunch of people that had an, like a Truman Show experience and then they all had to like live together or get like group oh! therapy. Like yes, a, like I a bunch did of pitch Trumans. that idea. Yes. That's great. Mm. And all of them just like recovering from that and living... 
it'd be even better yet if they were like sort of dried up and then they were brought into this sort of Big Brother type house as mm. part of another reality show and just watching them interact with each other. Oh my god, that's fun. just like yeah, a sea of people that I don't know what, to what degree like narcissism they've acquired. Yeah. What they're like, oh my god, what they're they like, were all real Trumans and fifty first dates. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Because like, what would it be like? Assuming that okay, so first off. If there's one Truman show and that was a success, it yep. makes sense that they would produce more of them. It does, and it makes sure that they would, it makes sense they would do multiple at the same time. Yeah, and because not like one person, I can't, I can't imagine that Jim Carrey character was appealing to everybody, but I guess it was the one option they had. There should have been a lady as well. And we've seen, yes, absolutely, a trans person. I mean, come on, People this of was color. the nineties. Come on, yeah, but yeah. So as we've seen with like what, like the Real Housewives franchise, if it works, they're going to keep trying they're over and over keep again. Doing it. You get a bunch of Trumans, and they're all, I guess, if we're sticking to the premise of the film, are, like unknowing part of this so experiment still, so they, they still haven't gotten out of the Truman well show. no that's how I imagine what the, the, the fake history of this story yeah. would be so everyone's be, a bunch of people have been Truman yep. they realise and to whatever extent like yeah maybe as you're saying the moment that they realise and have that Jim Carrey get into the wall and then walking out yep. the door yep. Up, maybe yeah. waiting for them outside that door is a group of people, people being like another Truman has realised what's happened and they get taken directly to this group of other Trumans that have de So are they living in this Truman house as like, let me go the whole time? I want, or is it like... Um, well, I don't know. I think maybe they would just be escorted from fake Truman world directly to this big brother house where all these other Trumans live. I feel like that's, that's recipe for, for people wanting to kill people. But maybe that's what's interesting about this house. Sure. You know, I wonder. What, what was that YouTube series like Sex House or something? Did you ever watch Sex House? No. Like the premise was, was just like a bunch of people put into this house and it was just like a big brother house, but it was called Sex House. Mm. And they all put into the sex house and like the goal was to have as much sex as possible. And, and you'd win if you had the most sex? I think so, but it didn't matter because clearly what had happened on the outside is everyone had left the production team. So like the house was just falling apart uh-huh. and no one, they were like running out of food and it turned into this sort of weird like, what the fuck are we going to do? Like almost a horror, but it was a comedy. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would happen to the Trumans. <laughs> sure. The Trumans would all have sex. <laughs> okay, well on that note... Um, <laughs> Donut. Uh, Donut. Julia Grace is incredible mm. and... Um, Great. Yeah, it was a cool touching time sounds it so I get to trades hall Uh I'm wandering up Um, it's like (laughs) I'm wander move (laughs) yes continue good Um, I I get there and the show started at 6 it was about 6.01 so I thought like oh god if I hurry maybe they're a little bit late maybe Mm -hmm. I can get in on time yeah I get up to the front. It is very obvious the volunteers have just started for the night. Okay. And they are sort of getting... Like the volunteer usher people. Volunteer usher people, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So they're all getting ready. Mm. So I stand there for like five minutes. You stand here? I stand in front of all these volunteers as they all sort of faff about and talk to each other and get ready. And I'm sort of like... You're standing there for five minutes? Five minutes. Why were you there for five minutes? Because they were just... They were were organising themselves. This is like right at the front entrance. Okay. And so like I'm in, in the corridor... And, and there's like five of them there chatting. Yeah. Then I assume getting ready for the evening, which is fine. Yeah. And then someone else comes in behind me and like they help them first and tell them where to go. And so I'm like, okay, right. So I have to Are be... Are you actively asking for help? I'm standing there and I'm sort of like looking at them and I'm like, I'm, and every now and again, one of them looks at me and I go, hi. And then they look away. Oh, <laughs> what were you wearing? <laughs> Apparently camo. I don't know. <laughs> to immediately victim blame. <laughs> were you asking for it? <laughs> My g-string, but it shouldn't matter. So I, so I eventually forced up the courage to be like, "Hi!" Oh God! <laughs> like I had to be like, "Excuse me!" Uh-huh. And I was like, "I'm trying to get up to um, Solitude <laughs> Hall to see." Um, hang on. Yeah, no, go ahead. You've forgotten the title because oh, you're too enraged. It's a long by... title. It's a long title. <laughs> uh-huh. I, 
<laughs> Sorry, the full title is Yes Andrew McClelland and Martine Wengro The Very Model of a Modern Major Musical Well handled Thank you so much yeah. That's what I was trying to go and see Okay So eventually one of them sort of pointed me in a direction I had to figure it out myself I went upstairs like, <laughs> So they pointed in a direction You assumed they were wrong You slapped their no, hand no, no. away They said like I think it's down there and around the corner And I went down there and around the corner it was also upstairs. It was also down another corridor. Okay. So, like, I, you know, I got there. It was fine. Great. Not the end of the world. <laughs> like I said, they were all just getting started for the night. It's sure. early on. It's fine. Yeah. So I get there late. <laughs> uh, and so I open the door and I go in. Yeah. And Andrew McClelland is in the middle of, like, a uh, speech to all the audience. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to sort of immediately piece together what's happened. So I wander in, I sit down somewhere midway at the back. Yeah. And he points to me and he says, he says like, ah, yes, please come in. You're, you're the, and he, he, I believe he was phrasing it as like, we are, the audience is the arts council of okay. Victoria. Yep. And he's pitching a show to them. And mm. as I come in, he's like, no, please come in. We need more funding from people like you. As I came in, which sort of immediately was like, oh. This is fun. <laughs> this is a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> he's got he's got lines. He's got jokes. Mm-hmm. So we sat on down. What does it feel? Does it feel like stand up is happening? What does it feel like is happening? It feels like a business seminar is being given. Oh, There's cool. a projector behind him. He's got some props off to the side. Martine is um, on the piano. Mm-hmm. There's a keyboard, and they also have like a bunch of random things around them. And it's eventually explained. Martine is sort of the one that does everything that isn't the acting. Like she does the she plays the music. Does the whittling of clogs, which is an important part of the show. I imagine. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> whittling costume, takes time. It takes must be time. Most of the show. Takes yeah. a lot of time. Uh-huh. Um, costuming, like all these things. It looks like Martin is just the one that does that. Uh-huh. As like, you know, like Andrew's just the one that's there to do the singing and the acting and the dancing. Yeah. <laughs> in the guise of the show. Yeah. Yeah. So, go in, sat down. What do you know about Gilbert and Sullivan? Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> not our old fat neighbours we used to know. No. Gilbert and Sullivan, the writers of Light Operetta. Oh, so not Gil and Sullivan. Not Gil and Sullivan. No, those chubby gays we used to live near. I Gilbert and Sullivan, no. I just don't know much about them. I just know Pirates of Penzance is good. Very good. Um, And I feel like, are they also... No, they're not that. Um, what, Is there like another one? Gilbert and Sullivan, the other one that I know is the Mikado. Right. Oh, I've seen the hot Mikado. Yes. What is the story between all the different Mikados? Are they just different I styles? I think it's just because it's such an old show, there have been a few adaptations, and one of them catch caught... Oh, dear. Mm. One of them caught on... Caught on hotly. Hotly. And are it was they like all, the hot Mikado. Are they all Japanese, or is that just the hot Mikado? Oh, so this is a... No, it's, it's set in Japan. This is a classic Gilbert and Sullivan thing. That Andrew McClellan brings up, it's very awkward, because it's back when Gilbert and Sullivan were writing this show, like... The obsession, and I'm using very heavy quotation marks here, Oriental obsession okay. was all the rage ah. in, in England. Okay. So, like, this show was set in Japan, but it's British accents. It may as well just be London. Everyone is just wearing, as Andrew says, very awkward face paint. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's all like, they all have, like, Daimo and, and Japanese, like, flavorings to all the Daimo. things they do. Daimo, like, the leader of Japan. Like, I think Daimo was, like, a powerful leader in Japan at some point. It's like the title. Sure. I think. God. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but that's one of those shows. I love Gilbert and Sullivan. Great. Um, It's very, yeah, your style and taste and makes sense. In a positive way. My eyebrows are making it look like I don't think it's a good thing. Yeah. Yes. I love Pirates Ben Dance as well. It's Mm -hmm. one of the first live shows I remember going to see ever. Mm -hmm. And I love it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was, um, yeah, so I'm very, I was very excited to come and see this show, which was pitched as. So I, I got in, sat down, and I sort of figured out as it was going. 
Andrew McClellan has written a libretto. Okay. A full-blown libretto, and that is not a lie. That's a real libretto that Andrew McClellan has written. Gosh. It is very long. It's written for 90-ish cast members. Like, uh-huh. it's, like it's a big show. Yeah. And the, I think the, the, my favourite bit about the show is the way it was pitched. It was like, we obviously can't do that now, so here's two of us to do the entire show as best as we can for you, the Victorian Arts Council, so you can invest in this opera and <laughs> oh, we can wow. do it. That's a really great premise. Isn't that a great premise? Uh, yeah, so it yeah. also allowed him, as they went on, they would sort of address like, he'd come point to a member of the audience and be like, you, the minister for blah blah, you want this in shows? Well, I can give you this. And then sort of like explains how his show would sort of fit into that sector of the business and how this show would fit into that sector of making mm. tourism. Yeah. Um, so it was a really smart way for him to sort of point out some of the weirder things of Gilbert and Sullivan. Okay. Like how everyone gets married. Everybody gets married in a Gilbert and Sullivan show. Have you noticed at the end, everyone gets married? No, I don't, I'm not familiar with All enough. the pirates and all the daughters get married at the end of Pirates of Penzance. Okay. I think... In, ma- in what way? Like, there's just like a mass wedding? Yeah, there's a mass wedding. They're like, we're all married now. That's one of the weird things about Gilbert and Sullivan. Everyone gets married. Where did that tradition come from? Don't Is it know. a tradition? It happens in a lot of Gilbert and Sullivan shows at the end of the show. Just in lieu of nothing, they're like... It's time to get married, to be happy, and have like a happy song, and finish the show. Huh. Yeah, and it's always like big groups of people. So, in, so the story of Andrew's libretto, yeah, is it's it's like a it's a very classic Gilbert and Sullivan esque story of characters understand not understanding who other characters are, and secret reveals of characters being like secret relations to other characters, set in a law firm. Yep. It also, I, I, tr- I really tried piecing it together as I go, but he wrote a very com- complicated story that was hard to condense. Right. So it's so that is like kind of like quintessential exactly, Gilbert and Sullivan, right? Exactly. It's all very exactly. convoluted and detailed. Yes. And, yes. And all relies on like the most ridiculous plot twists that yeah. make no sense. Right. Um. So so it was like part law firm, part IT company, part football. Like it was, football fits into it somehow. Sure. Um, <laughs> in a way that you're unclear on. In a way I'm unclear on. <laughs> I regret not buying the libretto. He was selling the libretto at the end. Oh, amazing. I did not buy it. Sure. Um, but I might go back and try and get it because I, I want to read it and understand. Um, so it was a play of many hats. Mm-hmm. Or should I say ties? You tell me. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh, so on next to, no, on the hat stand next to him was all these were all these ties. Yes. And Martine and he would put on different ties that had like very clear names on the ties so that they could sort of be multiple characters at once. Mm-hmm. And like some of the ties would have like two or three ties tied together uh-huh. to be like a chorus. Great. So like the IT chorus mm-hmm. or the paralegal chorus. Who were the groups who got married at the end of the show? Okay, great. Yes. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I just I don't know, I had a really fun time with this one. Oh great. Yeah, I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was expecting I wasn't expecting the the guys of pitching it to the Arts Council. That was a fun little twist on top of it. I thought mm. it was just gonna be a very straight laced, down and narrow attempt at putting on a real version of the show. Yeah. But it was more than that because it is a real show that they are actually pitching in right. real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I hope something happens with it because I would love to see, like I said, the story was very confusing, but I would love to see it actually told in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, fun fact. Ooh. Andrew is an international DJ. <laughs> that is a fun Isn't fact. That a fun fact. <laughs> and also, it makes it, he goes on to sort of talk about how um, Gilbert and Sullivan patter songs, like the very fast... 
you know, I am the very model of a modern made like those yes. sort of fast paced songs. Yeah, um, are like precursors to rap. It, in in what sense? In, in <laughs> precursors just in the way that they came first, or in the way that like rap superstars heard patter songs and thought, yeah, exactly that. The, the no, second no. one, the oh. second one, but not so much in that rap people today heard <laughs> Gilbert and Sullivan. And I'm sure but they love being called rap people. Rap people. <laughs> I don't know. Rap. <laughs> Can't say rapists. <laughs> I heard it as soon as I tried. Um, uh, but yeah, he's a DJ. He was the DJ at uh, one of our Christmas parties, one of our staff Christmas parties when we worked together at the the, the big one. The, I don't want to say too many words. <laughs> you cannot find out what company you don't want to this know was. Where we used to work. Oh, they have a reputation. The, the big one that had the big one. seven. Yes, I'm, yes. A, I'm aware. Yes, yeah, yeah. That incredible DJ at the end. Was Andrew McDellan. Oh my god. Was also right. the um, DJ for Finishing School, and I believe still is, which is an incredible dance party. You should all go. Great. Um, yeah, so okay. that just sort of fed into... It was just very funny to see, like, I just didn't expect DJs to like Gilbert and Sullivan. But he does. Because in your mind, Gilbert and Sullivan is highbrow, Frasier style... Well, yeah, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, kinda that. Yeah. Because um, have you seen... Gilbert and Sullivan, like, in real life? Like, have you seen a real b- production of Gilbert and Sullivan? I have seen a high school production of The Hot Mikado. <laughs> and I have seen Pirates of Penzance when I was too young to see it that had Johnny English in it. Oh, yeah, that's the one I saw as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then I saw another Pirates of Penzance that I, in my mind, had Anthony Warlow in it. But I don't at know the Art Centre? I think. I think, I was, where, like, when the ship comes along, they pick the sails up off the ground? I, may, I don't remember lots of it. I oh, remember no. there was, like, this a joke where... I think Anthony Warlow came out and like looked at the surtitles because he was pretending he'd forgotten some of the words. Oh, that's that a memorable very, joke. Yeah, that sounds very Australian opera, doesn't it? You're right. So yeah. that's something that happened. No, but I did not. I just remember really enjoying, and I've seen bits of like the movie version, and I always just come back to really liking the confusion surrounding whether or not he's saying orphan having no parents oh. or orphan frequently. And that is exactly <laughs> the sort of hijinks that we're up to in this show. I won't, I won't oh. be able to spoil any of them because if you do get a chance to see this at some point, if it's ever done again or if this libretto comes to life, mm. you should. Because the plot twists... He's, he's managed to write Gilbert and Sullivan plot twists that are more bizarre than Gilbert and Sullivan plot twists. Fantastic. It's so good. Um, but yeah, that sort of ridiculous... It's just all it takes is the misunderstanding of a single word. And the entire story sort of unravels from there. Oh, I love linguistic fun. Oh! <laughs> um, that's why I like Gilbert and Sullivan. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're also selling pins. To poke people with? To poke people with. No, like, um, <laughs> part of the pitch they were making to the Arts Council was that they have, like, some merchandise that they can sell to, mm. as part of the show. Like, and, and I think they were sponsored by Sports Clogs. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a, a brand? Is it it's a, a thing they've made clog? up. It's a thing they oh. made up for the show. <laughs> okay. I assume. <laughs> sports Clogs. All the, all the convenience of a clog able to be worn for sport. Great. They had a jingle. They had a jingle for the sports clog company. Are you pausing so that I ask you I'm, what the I'm jingle no, was? I was pausing. <laughs> I was pausing to see if I could remember it, but I can't. Okay, um, but it was a good jingle. It was a great jingle. Right, well, you, you people out there, you should go and see it and find out what that jingle find was. Find out what that jingle is. Oh my god, sports clogs reminds me of. Do you remember? I talk about this movie too often. Ever after, which is starring Angelica Houston, who was in Smash. <laughs> thank you. Thank <laughs> Ever you. after, there's a scene in Ever After because Leonardo da Vinci, of course, is in Ever After with Drew mm. Barrymore, an actor playing Leonardo da Vinci, the real Drew Barrymore. There's a scene where Leonardo da Vinci. Why, why are you making a... No, 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 don't ignore me. I'm done. Carry on. <laughs> Sports clogs reminds me of the scene where Leonardo da Vinci is wearing shoes that look like boats that means he can run around on the lake. 
That's smart. Super smart. Did that work? It did work. He really startled Drew Barrymore, who oh. was having a very serene time, like lying backwards in the lake. Are you able to? I I feel like I've tried in the past to do the thing where you like lie on your back like a starfish in water, yeah, and you just sort of like flop your hands around and you just sort of like lie there like a lily yes, pad. But you keep sinking because you eat too many stones. <laughs> That's what does it. <laughs> is that what I it just is? feel like I can never get to the point of relaxation. I almost get there and then I like water gets in my mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like if I if I do that and relax too much. I feel like my, if I relax, my body sort of caves in on itself and I sink. Right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Sort of the sea witch wants to take you. She wants me and I can't blame her. The, uh, like, the Broadway, like the Broadway recording of the Little Mermaid musical isn't on Spotify. What? I know. That's weird. I know. The closest you can get is like a weird live version they did with Queen Latifah, who does not sing a very good version of Poor oh, Unfortunate I like the Souls. Titus. Is it Titus? I always get it Titus mixed Burgess. up. Titus Burgess. I was going to call him Titus Andromeda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love his version of Poor Unfortunate Souls. I imagine that would be good. He's got a very good version, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you mentioned pins and it just made me think of this fact that I very recently learned. Go on. If you put a pin in a specific part of your like shoulder, you can puncture that thing that is around your lungs that provides the vacuum seal necessary for your lungs to function. Is that the plural wall? It's something like that. If you, yeah, if you, yeah, That's... puncture that, it like... It's all over. It causes your lungs to like sort of like deflate and you need to like go to hospital. If you, oh, so if you no. Get, if you get bad acupuncture, they can just like... Oh my God. Yeah. Ruin That's that. a horrifying fact. Why do you know that, Jake? Um, oh, it's a convoluted tale. But, <laughs> yes, it just really startled me. That's horrifying. Yeah. Okay. So, that's that on that. So, if Jake comes at you with a knife or a pin... Mm. Don't just be like, oh, you goofball. <laughs> Always waving pins and knives around. <laughs> Old knifey Jake. Yeah. No, um, you should cover your shoulder. <laughs> okay. Is that what you were getting at? Yeah, I guess so. Yes. I guess that's what I was getting at. <laughs> Andrew McClelland and Martin Wengrow. <laughs> Model of a modern major musical. Again, we decided that we cannot just say the names of the shows. Fringe! After... <laughs> That's better. Okay, James. Yes, Hello. Jake. Hi. <laughs> well, you know, sorry, just, yeah, yeah, I don't know if we said this, we're sort of trying to go chronologically. Yes. In the order of when we saw things. Yes, that seems fairest. Yeah, as opposed to curating a specific experience for you guys out there. Which sounds like that's what we should be doing now that you say that's it what, like Yeah. That. Oh, no, no, because I was just thinking there's the other option of us doing like a lucky dip. Let's talk about this next. But maybe it makes more sense for us to be doing it in a row like this. Huh, I'm now questioning... Everything we're doing live on air. How about after we finish this episode, we'll talk about it and maybe we'll see if there's another way we should be doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, great. We'll that find out. a peek behind the curtain, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we love offering peeks, but we've only just thrown the curtain Enough open. peeks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> curtain's gone. Hey, guys. This side of the curtain's better. <laughs> Did you see a show? Or I, what are we doing? Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I went. So I was still at the Motley Bauhaus. This was the same evening. I was, with, I was with Reese, um, but Reese got tired, so he left. So. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, well, spending time with you is hard. It's really difficult. It we went tricky. to an Italian restaurant beforehand, so he was probably oh, tucked out yeah, from yeah, seafood. Yeah. Yep. Seafood. Yeah. Seafood. Okay. What did you eat? Um, what did I have? He wanted to have. He was con- contemplating having like the market fish. But it's like, you uh, know yeah. how they don't put the prices on those things? Mm. And you just meant to do it like... A billion dollars. A billion dollars, because it's from the market. It's from the market. It's like, mm, okay. <laughs> and then, um, I, yeah, I had some sort of marinara thing as well. We were in a, like a mermaidy mood. Yum. Yeah. It was okay. Those Italian places are just fun. I went to an Italian place before um, La Mama at some point and got pizza. You got pizza? Yeah, you know DOC on the corner? D- around, oh, around. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Delicious. Oh, so you fled Ligon Street. You left Little Italy and you... No, there's a DOC right next to La Mama. 
Yeah, the one like down the street away from Ligon Street, though, not on Ligon Street. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I thought yeah. you meant. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. EOC is the one that feels kind of trendy. Yes, it's the one on that corner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, no, so but this is more. Pizza? Go there. This was like molto italiano. Oh, like in the sense, not the, I'm, I am not the authority on of what's the most Italian. Really? You know, <laughs> yeah, no, Jake's do it isn't. <laughs> no, all the Italian people in my family were married into it. So, <laughs> <laughs> or divorced out of it. No, I can't get into the details. Jesus. <laughs> no, no. Um, but there was like a fountain, etc. <laughs> <laughs> Fill in the blanks. Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So, went to see A Moment to Love. Alone because Reese got sleepy. Um, full disclosure, Vivian Nguyen, who wrote and was in this one man, one woman show, one performer show, she was the only one in it. Okay. <laughs> she, yeah, she, I met her because we worked together on that. Remember that, like, episodic COVID Reagan adaptation? Yes. That my pal Ben directed. Yes. Oh, no, produced, and then Jessica, wonderful Jessica, directed. Um, yes, she was one of the writers on that. Oh, great. Okay. She wrote the scene that came directly before mine, is, yes. my underst- is my memory of the chronology. But yes, so she's really wonderful. So she was, yeah. Remember when I, t- part of the development process of that piece was going away on that, like, Airbnb you, you day. You decided you wanted to live in a commune with artists. Yes. 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 But yeah, yeah. And yeah, she was one of the ones that I really connected with and really enjoyed talking Aww. to. She's a wonderful artist in person. That's so nice. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so she's written this show and, oh, more full disclosure, it was like um, production designed by Sam Diamond. Oh. Whom I ran into. I didn't realize Love. he was attached to this show and then I was there and then I ran into him That's and Alonzo nice in, the, in the foyer. Mm. I was like, ah, oh! yes, but. Twist. What, for gay. For for gay. What? For for gay. For, for gay. For gay. I said for gay. That's good. No, whenever you can, just slot gay in. I think you so. Can. I think yeah, that's yeah. my my attitude. <laughs> so you were about to say twist. Twist in the sense that it was a like a preview performance. So the AV wasn't appara- apparently there's a bunch of AV and lighting stuff that wasn't able like wasn't wow. happening at this preview for whatever reason. Okay. I imagine it's wonderful because Sam is just so talented. Are we allowed to talk about previews on this podcast? Um, well, I think because we're doing it in the context of saying it's a preview, you know, mm-hmm. like we're not mm-hmm. saying that like every show will be like this. We're saying we went to a preview and the preview was like this. Yeah, sure. Yes, no, because it, but in yeah, I agree with what you're suggesting that in the traditional sense, you shouldn't be reviewing previews because yes. they're before it's ready. But we don't review. No, we don't. We talk about. We discuss. We discuss. We do discuss. Fringe. I was weirdly good at discus as a child. Really? I was really good at that one, the one where you spin the chain. Spin the ball hammer the chain. Throw. Hammer throw. They let you do hammer throw yeah. as a child? We did hammer throw. Hammer throw is terrifying. Yeah, it is, but I was good at it. Oh my god. You, like, you tossed the... It, was, it wasn't a chain, it was like a, like a very tight sort of like, fibre yeah. thing. And you yeah. like spin, 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 spin throw spin, it. Like, like, it's got like the same... Amanda Thrip exact, Matilda. Exactly that. It's yeah. got the exact same... It's, you do it in the same area as the discus. Because discus you throw in that weird sort of like semicircle Zina. cage, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. How good at discus were you? I was enough to get offered a position at... You know when they went from like normal athletics to like zone athletics? Like you'd represent like, oh, the yep. city or something? Yep. Um, But the, my age group didn't exist or something. But I was like really good. But I have no... Uh, yeah, I don't know. But I was really wow. good at discus. I, again, I assume it was because of Xena. But she would throw it like for like, like forehand and discus like you throw backhand. Well, like, discus is the one you sort of like spin around a lot. You can you spin. Yeah, I think I was too scared of getting dizzy, so I wouldn't spin. I would just use my 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 hand. Your ogreish strength. My ogreish strength, <laughs> <laughs> which did it came in early. We yeah. ogres, we we <laughs> age up fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. discus. <laughs> Discus. Um, yeah, so this is a preview. So yeah, I don't know what the lighting and the AV stuff ended up being, but there is a bunch in it. Sure. Um, yeah, no. Um, so part of what I really liked, beyond obviously I've already expressed how much I adore Vivian, but yeah, so that goes without saying that she was a really marvellous performer. Um, yeah, but yeah, I just, some elements of the text and what she talked about and what the show sort of 
focused on were of major interest to me. So just because it was like, it was kind of, so it's called A Moment to Love. It's about a bunch of love that she's gone through and a few guys that it seemed autobiographical, but that's just a guess. Uh But um, it seemed like, yeah, it was a few heartbreaks and romances she fell into and went through, which of course I'm completely into. Yes, that's your In terms your, of, oh my god, everyone should do a show tea. about those things. Yeah. That is my cup of tea. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> um, Yuck! But, um, yeah, something, w- one element of her performance, like, one of the more subtler touches that I found really interesting and impressive was the way that she managed to go from talk, and this, I think, is the sort of thing that I keep coming back to when I think about the shows that I'm seeing, especially, like, one-person shows, mm-hmm. um, but I'll just touch on and then get into later, I imagine, with a show that's, like, a maybe a more specific example of what I'm talking about. Sure. But with this, I think I want to focus on the facet of, like, she managed to swap very, like, conspicuously and effectively between the feeling of, like, there seems to be this vague sense of, like, the, how it sounds when someone's doing a one-person show and they're telling you a story, but then there was this moment where she slipped into what almost felt like, not quite stand-up, but kind of, like, it went from being language of the type of, I guess, florality that the rest of the show seems to have, and then when it sort of, like, cracked and turned into the type of talking that sounds like it's just Vivian talking to you. Oh, like, sure, there was a distinction there. Yeah, there was yeah, a couple nice. of times, and that distinction I just found to be, like, an impressive, like, a credit to her and a credit to the writing and that being, like, an interesting dynamic to be able to play with in a piece. Totally. Yeah, um, I thought that was good. But, yeah, I think part of something that I really enjoyed that I guess I, I felt like I hadn't experienced in some time and I think we need much more of... Oh, God, okay. <laughs> Sorry to yell at you. No, you're passionate. More of... She um, really well put things where she was talking about making choices from within and being stuck within what felt uh, which felt kind of like you know like the dense fog of horniness (laughs) (laughs) in the way of like yeah uh talking about the experience of just like really there was like this scene that happened in a kitchen that was really well described by her um of like really wanting to have sex with someone yes um but like it's not like we can't right now whether or not it's inappropriate or, like, our current situation means that sex will complicate things. We've like, got to make dinner. Yeah, yeah. it's just, like, we like not now, but, like, your whole body is just, like, Oof. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I, I'm ready. Like, you, like, like, I can't look at Hop you. Hop in. Like, yeah, like, yeah I yeah. just... And she, yeah, just really well put. Oh, that's so nice. And I think especially, like, women being horny, I think that's an, an interesting thing to... I don't know, and, I, and maybe some of it because I don't know because masculine horniness, horniness so, can be a little like tainted by the tales that we hear of it, I guess, or something. Yeah, it's so much more normalized, and, and it's also too. I'm a man, so I guess I sort of understand my version of what that experience is like. But yep. hearing women talk about it, I don't know. Somehow, I don't know. It's just different. It does, well, it's the other side as, as a gay man as well. It's like the other mm. side of the coin. That you well, that's because really ever... women do not participate in my experience of any of it. No, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is kind of the thing. I guess that is what. <laughs> being a gay man is. A little. Yeah. Yeah, so she just did that really well. I just thought that it was good yeah, to see wow. her be like, oh. I mean, the, it sounds like it had an impact on you. It Maybe did. Are you having an awakening, Jeff? <laughs> no, no, I'm not a bicycle. I am... <laughs> <laughs> nope, still a big old gay Big old gay yeah, Um, Yeah, another sort of like a character, not in the character sense, a, a sort of like a figure that existed in it. Again, not in the, not in the character sense. An element that okay. exists in, uh, in terms of theme was anxiety and the way that anxiety... And um, and even saying that out loud, now it's interesting to think of anxiety and horniness as being sort of characters in the same oh, inside-outy totally. realm of things that can affect the mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like they go hand in hand as well. A little, yeah. Because I think, like, even just something as simple as masturbation mm. and anxiety go real good together. Because They go well together. How? Yeah, because if you're feeling anxious and stressed, just masturbate. Uh-huh. Just masturbate. 
and then calms your anxiety down. Yeah, and then you just keep doing that, and you get stuck masturbating for the rest of your life. Oh, isn't my story? (laughs) (laughs) We're doing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was just an interesting component. Um, Yeah, I thought there there was this beautiful moment where she described two things to briefly touch on. A lovely moment where she talked about a guy asking to hold her hand, which I just think is so nice. They were like in the car, and he asked, and it was so touching. And it's like watching the way that she described it. Um, yeah, it was just well done and really lovely. And uh, this like a brief moment where she talked about um, a, a kiss on her chest being like one of the most beautiful moments of her life. Oh, um, which God, I that just... sounds so lovely. Yeah, it was just, like little shit like that. It's yeah. just like, of course, it's just like something that I was really into. Um, Love. But yeah, that were the major things. But I think, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you were to do like a show mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. your... Mm-hmm. Because let's imagine that the premise of this piece was she took all of her sort of love stories and turned it into a show. Yeah. How would your show feel if you had to take all sort of like the significant loves of your life so far? (gasps) By which I mean the people are not the loves of your life, but the loves lowercase l of your life lowercase l. Do you have an immediate answer for this? Because mine need to be the thought. Um, I think I think okay. Yeah, I think it would be the ge- the general feel of the show. Well, that's it. Whether or not you can picture tone or yeah. look or content or length or, I think it would be like even like think Fringe Festival. Like, would, would you have a title? What do <laughs> it's you think a long road. It's a it's a long know. road. I don't know. I think it would be a story of multiple failures <laughs> before finding something that isn't a failure. Flob. Flob! My father Flob. Flob. I love Flob. Um, I think it would be, yeah, I think if I were to tell a story about love right now, it would be the lead up to meeting Flynn. Like, that's what it would be. Sure. So I feel like every other story that I have to tell would be sort of like all the other ones that were on the way to that sort of Oh, I love how schmaltzy and annoying that sounds. Isn't it? Yeah, it's disgusting. (laughs) And it does immediately become a very Disney sort of story. But yeah, that's like, I think what I would tell. And so what do you think... If you had to sort of like immediately make staging decisions or like okay. script decisions, yeah, good. would it be from the perspective of like you being very happy and settled and content where you are and then looking back at why what you have now the is not like... The curtain on me in, a, in, a, in like an armchair with like a big cosy jumper. I thought you were going to say wedding tea. dress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even better. Uh, guys, today's the day, but oh we'll God. never guess how we got... That's yes. great. That's not bad. That's not you bad. You can also go like the really terrible idea of like you rushing in in the wedding dress, you get flustered yep. you spot the audience and you're like oh <laughs> i don't know if i'm ready guys <laughs> i'm so glad you're here yes and then uh, and then you sort of like make them the people that are like talking to you about your decision like i don't know if i can go through with this yeah and then you're like yeah. turning to the person at the front you're like you make a good point this is nothing like when i was with <laughs> god he had a real funny way of talking he did <laughs> yeah 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 that's the awful way that's yeah but again, I think, no, I'd go. I think I would. But you're my friend. I think, <laughs> I think I would do more of a uh, what, Viv, what it sounds like Vivian has done, and more mm. telling from her point of view the whole way through, and make it artistically sound. Make it, <laughs> make it artistically sound, and I think I'd want it to be sad. Sure. Because I think love is sad. Oh god. I think all love comes with the acceptance that love ends at some point. Okay. I think is because that's always hanging in the back of everyone's mind who's ever in love in any way with anyone. Mm-hmm. Is because it's going to end somehow. Sure. You know, and I think that's fine. Oh. You just, that, that forces you to enjoy the now of it. God, I, I don't want to like jump ahead and talk no, about a different it. show, but like I oh. saw a show yesterday that I'll come back to. This is just a thing that I'll mention. Mm. I saw a show yesterday where the, 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 the woman in the show was talking about how 
she experienced falling in love in a way that was the first time... Because <clears throat> she said exactly what you just said. She was mm-hmm. like, the stories we hear about love and what we come to believe about love is that it always comes with this element of doom and that it's going to end. And she experiences falling in love in a way that makes her think that it's possible to have love without that doom in it. Oh, and, God. Oh, Who was that? Um, that was... Um, her name's Sophie. It's a, it's a piece at the uh, the Women's Centre. Oh, wow, okay. show up there. Yeah. Um, but, that yeah, but, yeah I'll talk about that in a coming episode. Tune in. Tune in. It's going to be a really nice conversation for a number yeah, of reasons. Yeah, that sounds it's gorgeous. Really great show. Um, anyway. Um, yes, sorry. What would so, you do? Do you have... I do. Yeah, what would your love cabaret be? <laughs> I think it partly would depend... Listening to you talk, I think it would partly depend on whether or not I was love at, like in love at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think, even just like to focus on what you said, I think there's something... And maybe this is tied a bit to the whole horniness thing and the way that these like chemicals affect our minds and these... I don't know, the way that emotions get into us. I think there's something very interesting and like about the, and this almost is tied to like the drafting and development process of work, which is a thing that we're definitely going to be talking about soon as well. <laughs> um, of the, I, I really love the idea of someone being just like madly in love with someone and then making a piece of theater about love mm. from that vantage point. Yeah. Because that's a crazy difficult to like, it's a, it's a state that you don't necessarily get to be in for very long, mm. especially like the high, all every time someone falls in love, it's different. But the, I guess the traditional understanding of it is like it's really, really beautiful at the start, and then maybe it cools down or something. You, you know, can or bottle it gets... that magic in a piece of theater while it's there. Hundred yeah. percent, and just and I, there's like a real value in that. I think because it's such a like a rare thing to like even get to fall in love. Mm is so hard and yeah. tricky and fortunate and a thing that no one is guaranteed. And to be in a state where you're in love, it affects everything that you do. And being able to make art, and yeah, as you said, being able to bottle that in any sort of way. Um, and even if it ends up being like a shit piece of art, like I think I would certainly at least really, really be interested in hearing what a person in love has to say about love yeah. and about their past loves in the state of having found it again and it being a potentially better version of the love they felt before. With, the, yeah. with like, the googly-eyed goggliness yeah. of, like, I believe what I found is incredible, and I'm so happy, and I'm so fulfilled, and I'm so excited, and, like, the world just feels like it's in technicolor, and everything oh. has a soundtrack to it now. You know, to, to write a piece, of, and to make a piece of art in that mm. state, and put that on stage, or even just to write that down, I would, of course, be interested in hearing what that person has to well, say. Well, then you should come and see my new show, Flogging Me. <laughs> In it, Flog is an ogre. Okay. Yeah, because Flog sounds like a Shrek. Sure. Yeah, yeah I can yeah. imagine them being cousins. Yes. That's it. But it'll be exactly what you just described. But in a swamp. But in a swamp, baby. <laughs> Great. Great. Um, that sounds like a really beautiful show, the one that you've seen. Yeah, Yeah. directed by Alana Guiri. Guiri? I don't know. Good try, though. Thank you. Um, yeah. Right in, Alana. Yeah, but yeah, it was a cool time. Um, yeah. Great. Oh my god. Yeah. Free! <laughs> well, um, that was the end of our first Fringe episode, guys. First, yeah. Oh that's, my god. That's oh really god. exciting. That's, yeah. Three town. Tune in in literally like five seconds because yeah. we will still be sitting here talking. So, yes, yeah, so to continue this thing of you are just being behind the curtain with us. <laughs> Come on, sit <laughs> down. Yeah, we should really throw that curtain away. <laughs> the curtain's um, unnecessary. It's, and it's gross. 
We should make it into play clothes for the my children. Mother's, my mother's old curtain. Don't need to call it gross. Oh, <laughs> oh the sound of music. The sound of music. I know. I uh, thank you. I <laughs> just want to talk about. <laughs> it. Very good. We don't have time. We got friends to talk got about, the baby. The Baroness. Uh, tune in. We're going to be recording another episode. Like immediately. So how this is going to pretty much work is we're just going to yeah we're going to sit here and just keep talking about fringe shows um, until our bodies fall apart. Yeah, that's just what that's what our lives are now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that's what we're going to go and do immediately now. Yes. Um, Should we rush through the usual formalities at the end of it? I think absolutely we need to also say we may already disagree with everything we just said. Our friends don't let friends become theatre critics. No, of course they don't. Um, uh, we have an email, we have an Instagram, they're all what you think they would be. Absolutely, yes. Um, yeah. Um, okay, James, let's go truly nowhere and start <laughs> and continue talking about Fringe. Alright, and uh, we'll uh, begin the new episode in three, two... That's not really how podcasts You're work. You're meant to cut it so yes. I can say one on the next one. Thank you.